Let's turn to the book of 1 John this morning. We'll be in 1 John chapter number 5. Uh, 1 John chapter number 5. And aren't you thankful for Calvary? Uh, thankful for the cross and a, you know, a Savior who's willing to die for us. And I certainly look forward to what God has for us this morning in the book of 1 John uh, chapter number 5. I'm going to begin reading with verse number 6. And I'll read down through verse number 16. From this passage of Scripture, we'll take our text this morning and uh, look forward to seeing what God has for us <clears throat> from His Word. First John chapter number 5, beginning reading with verse number 6. This is He that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one, and there are three that bear witness in earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for, there is, for this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son." Excuse me. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And this is the confidence that we have in Him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. This morning I want to use this passage of scripture and I want to preach on this subject. If you're saved and you know it, if you're saved and you know it, let's ask the Lord to help us today. Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice for us. We thank you that in our sins, you made a way for us to restore our fellowship, our relationship with you. And Father, in our salvation, we thank you of redemption. We thank you of heaven. We thank, thank you for your love for man. And Father, we pray this morning that if there's an unsaved man, woman, child, may today be their day of salvation. And Father, for the redeemed to rejoice in our salvation, be reminded of what you've done for us through your Son. May your, your church be strengthened today. May we be helped. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we consider this passage, and I've given you the title this morning, If You're Saved and You Know It, as I have been recently reading and studying through the three epistles, 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John, uh, and in reading the book of 1 John and just kind of just reading through it again for my own uh, benefit, uh, that thought came to my mind, if you're saved and you know it. Having grown up in church, when I make that statement, my mind goes to the children's church song, if you're saved and you know it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Clap your hands. There you go. If you're, I grew up in church, and of course, 
Uh, you know that song, if you're saved and you know it, clap your hands. If you're saved and you know it, clap your hands. If you're saved and you know it, then your face will surely show it. If you're saved and you know it, clap your hands. Then it goes into stomp your feet. And then you can add a hundred different things, uh, stand up, turn around, run around the bit, whatever. But if you're saved and you know it. Well, I think back to boy, all the times of as a child in children's church and singing that song every week with the memories of you singing that. And well, even as a child, my mind goes back. If you're saved and you know it, I'm saved. I know it. So I clap my hands. And I even think that simple children's song, I think back in my life, in my childhood, I think of how that, just, that simple song just reaffirmed in my heart what the Scripture told me. The Scripture told me as a child that if I trusted Christ and I put my faith in Him, realized I was a sinner, that I was forgiven, I was saved, I was on my way to heaven. And the best I knew how as a child, I put my faith in Christ. And from that day forth, I've been saved. But that reinforcement, if you're saved and you know it, clap your hands. I can think back to times when I was a child in children's church and I never had to sit in the sin seat. That was for deacon's kids, but that wasn't for <laughs> pastor's kids. But, uh, uh, or, you know, you, you always won the quiet seat prize. You can imagine that. I never really did. But anyway, uh, you know, there were times when I could think back to when I was in children's church and this, I can recall this happening. I can recall even in working in children's church, uh, everybody participates. Why aren't you participating? Well, I'm not saved. And children getting saved because of a simple, certainly it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Putting that pressure of if you're saved and you know it. We're not going to do it this morning because I don't think I'd ever get control of the crowd again. But I think it would be good for us as adults to think about that song, if you're saved and you know it, can you clap your hands? If you're saved and you know it, clap your hands. If you're saved and you know it, then your bitterness will show. No, that's not what I said. If you're saved and you know it, then your face will surely show it. If you're saved today... That's something to rejoice in. That's something to celebrate. That's something when the whole world around you is falling apart. You can hold on to the fact that you're redeemed. You're forgiven. Nobody else may love you, but God loved you so much he sent his son to die on the cross of Calvary. Other relationships may be broken, but you have that relationship through Christ with the Heavenly Father. Chaos may be all around you and your world may be falling apart, but the heaven's not falling apart. Salvation is secure. And I think all of us, myself included, need to be reminded that our face ought to show that we're saved. As we read this passage of Scripture and you read this epistle by the Apostle John, we can, certainly, we can be certain of the fact there are two things that we can be sure of, and John writes of them in his letter. First thing we can be sure of is Jesus provided salvation for all men, and God wants everyone to be saved. 
We can be sure of that. We can be sure this morning that Jesus is the way of salvation. He is the way to the Father. And we can be sure that Jesus died for all men so that all might be saved. Just in case you're sitting here this morning and you're wondering about your own salvation, wondering how you get to God, how do you get forgiveness, it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the way of salvation, and that salvation was not just provided for me or the others you see around, it's provided for you as well. That is something that we can be assured of. The second thing that we can be assured of from the writings of John is God wants all who are saved to know they are saved and to be sure they are saved. You will not get from Scripture a doctrine that makes you doubt whether you're saved today or whether you're lost today. That does not come from Scripture. But God wants us to know that we are saved. Verse 13 reminds us of that. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may hope that ye have eternal life. Ye may wonder if ye have eternal life. You may, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, no, that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. There it is right there. Those of you who, who have already trusted Christ, I'm writing these things so that you know that you're saved. And if you don't know that, so that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. See, God sent His Son for mankind so that all might be saved. And if you're saved this morning, He wants you to know that you are saved. He wants you to be secure in your salvation. John writes in this chapter, there's several things that we do. There's a lot of study. There's a lot of things that we could talk about here. But I want to take that thought, if you're saved and you know it. If you're saved, you should know it. You're saved, you should be assured of it. And tonight, I will, this morning, I want to just remind us of the assurance of our salvation. And friend, throughout the message, if, if there's something where you're not being assured, you might need to consider that you have not received salvation. Because very quickly and simply, we, the Spirit of God was referenced that if He's in you, He's in you to assure you that you're saved. And when you trust Christ, you have the Spirit of God that dwells within you. So as we consider some of the things that John writes about, I want us to be assured this morning, and if we're saved and we know it, there are some sure signs that we can point to in this chapter. If, if we are saved this morning, we can look at these things and say, yes, I'm saved and I know it because of. This morning, I don't want you to leave knowing you're saved because of something I told you, but, but, but the Word of God says, and what the Spirit of God has confirmed in your heart, there's no man that can say, thy sins be forgiven of thee and have any merit to it. That only comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. I want us to see in this chapter, and if you're saved and you know it, let me say number one, you believe God. Look at verse number 11. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. 
in this life is in the church. That's not what the Bible says. It is in His Son. So if there is a denomination or a false teaching that says it is in the church, we're to go with the record of God and not the record of man. If there is a teaching that says that you must do more good works than bad works, and I don't know if that's possible to begin with, but instead of salvation by grace, we're to believe God. Friend, I would not want to breathe my last breath and stand before the Almighty God with my works to show. Well, well, you stand before that great white throne and you say, well, 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 wait a minute, I, I, read these, I read these books. I watched these documentaries. I had my own opinion. I, my, my grandmother said, in that day, it will certainly be evident that God is true and man is a liar. If you're saved and you know it, it's not because you always feel saved. It's not because of what you have done. It's because this is the record. Truth of the matter is, when we get out of fellowship with God, the devil can use that to put a doubt in our salvation. But you and I should not doubt our salvation just by verse number 11. And this is the record that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. It's in Christ. I remind you of the previous verses. And I'll not take time to go into all this, but we're told that there is a record in heaven. There is an established record on earth. In verse 9, if we receive the witness of men, there are men who have opinions. I know you didn't realize that. There are men who have such strong opinions, they believe so much in their opinions, they are willing to die for them. That does not make them right. Because verse 9 reminds us, if we receive the witness of men... Well, pastor, they're sincere. Should I consider it? No, because the witness of God is greater. If I've got to believe what man says, or I've got to believe what God says, I'm going with God. The witness of God is greater. Friend, don't leave here today believing you're saved because some man told you were saved. Friend, I'm going to leave here today knowing I'm saved, not because of my good works, not because of my righteousness, but because God says I'm saved because of my faith in Christ. That's where salvation is. In a day when you just don't feel saved and you don't feel like uh, you're doing everything you're supposed to do, and I just don't, I just don't have those feelings today. Friend, you've got to go to the record of what God has said. You're saved and you know it if you believe God. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his Son. So what is that witness? Verse 10, he that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. Man is good at calling God a liar. There's only one thing he's better at than calling God a liar is then denying that he just called God a liar. 
Our society calls God a liar every day. Our kids in our public schools are being taught that they evolve. They're calling God a liar. This gender nonsense. Well, it's how I feel. No, it's what God made you. To deny that is calling God a liar. To say that God will accept another definition of what a home is is calling God a liar. Is saying there's another way of salvation is calling God a liar. And this, the record is that it is in His Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in Himself. So why do you believe so strongly, Pastor, that you're saved? Because I know what God's done in my own life. And the Spirit is within myself. That when I read what God has said, oh, not because... I earned it, not because I deserve it, but there's a Spirit of God inside of me that reminds me that I deserve hell. There's nothing I could do to change that. But God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And the Spirit of God takes my mind to when I was a child and and I realized I was under conviction. I realized that if I died right there that I would go to hell and The best I could, I put my faith on the one who died on that cross and shed his blood and rose again three days later. And I believe what the Bible said, that if I would just believe on that, I would be saved. And friend, all these years have passed and the world has its own philosophies and ideas, but there's there's one inside of me that reminds me of what God has said, and I know that God is truth, and any other record is a lie. Because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. If you're saved and you know it, it's because you believe God. By the way, you should believe God more than your own emotions. I just don't feel saved. Well, did you put your faith and trust in Christ? Did you do what God said you had to do? Don't matter if you feel saved or not. I know this goes against the culture, but God goes against the culture. But I just, I just, we have all these feelings. Well, we have to take God's record. Pastor, I just feel so unworthy to be saved. Well, yeah. If we felt worthy, we couldn't have salvation. If we felt worthy, we couldn't, we wouldn't have humbled ourselves for that salvation. Well, if you're saved and you know it, You believe God. Number two, look at me at verse number 14. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. Number two, if you're saved and you know it, you have confidence in prayer. This is the confidence that we have in Him. You know why some people don't pray? Because their confidence is in themselves. What I mean by that is my prayer is not worthy. Whose is? Well, I don't know what to say to Him. Who does? My confidence is not in in the words that I say. It's not in how eloquent I sound. And sometimes it's not even sentences strung together. It's a heart that reaches out to God. And I have confidence in Him. And we say, well, if you got a problem, look up. What are we saying? Our confidence is in God. If you're saved and you know it, you have confidence in prayer. Friend, if you're saved this morning, you and I, for us to pray ought to be as natural as breathing. 
For us to reach out to our God, it would be as natural as us taking a breath in and taking a breath out because the same God that saved me is the same God that wants to hear from me, is the same God that will answer my prayer and longs to answer our prayers. And if you're saved and you know it, you have confidence in prayer. We are reminded frequently as a church, aren't we, of God's answer to prayer? Well, even, even, even in recent days, there's some things I've prayed about, and, and I just it, it's, and I got, heard some news, and it was like the Spirit of God said, you asked for that. God doesn't always do that. But it's like, you asked for that. You know what that does? Man, i got to pray more. i got to ask Him for more things. I got to ask him to answer. It reminds us of a, of a God. If we're saved, if you're saved this morning, why aren't you praying? You, you mean to tell me that you have confidence that a God could save you from your sins, forgive you, redeem you, change your record in heaven from one of a sinner to the perfect record of Christ, give you an eternal? Heaven and uh, home in heaven, and you don't have enough confidence that God can meet your needs. You don't have enough confidence that that God can intercede on your behalf, friend. If you're saved and you know it, yes, as the children's song goes, we clap our hands. But now that we're all grown up, if you're saved and you know it, you pray to the same God that saves you. You make those petitions known. You you call on Him, and if you're saved and you know it, it's second nature to pray. A lost man doesn't understand. Oh, what, you're going to pray to your God? I'm, I'm going to pray to God. We have confidence in Him. They can't understand it because they don't know what it's like to be saved. They don't know what it's like to be transformed. They don't know what it's like uh, to have the Spirit of God within them. So if you're saved and you know it, you have confidence in prayer. You and I can be confident when we pray. Why? Because we're saved. And because we have access to Him. Number three, look at me again in verse number 14 and 15. Let's read verse 14 again, and we'll go right into verse 15. And this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth us. And if we know that He hear us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of Him. If you're saved and you know it, number three, you are concerned with His will. Too many times we get distracted by our will. We should be concerned with His will. You know why there's a lot of Christians who doubt their salvation? And by the way, God's record is plain. Whether you doubt it or not, if you did what God said for salvation, you're saved. Whether you feel like it today or not, if you did what God said, this isn't on our goodness, it isn't on our works, it's on God. And he's big enough to save anybody, and God is big enough to keep anybody saved. But sometimes we don't feel saved, or we doubt our salvation. It's because we've lost the concern about his will. Notice the context of this prayer is praying in his will and for his will. It's easy when we're in a crisis situation to call out to God as a child of God. 
It's not as easy in that crisis situation to have our prayers yielded to His will. If we are saved and we know it, then we live concerned with His will. What is, what is, what is His will? It's the, it's, it's the commands that we've been given in Scripture. It's the things that we know we are to do. God has a plan for us. He has a life for us. And because we're saved, we should be concerned about His will. It's God's will for you to be faithful to His house. It's God's will for you to be a witness to this world. It's God's will for you to have fellowship with Him. It's God's will for you to be holy and separate from this world. It is what God wants for His children. And as we pray, we are praying His will. It's easier to pray for His will when we're living His will. The truth of the matter is, in the book of Ecclesiastes reminds us of this, and life reminds us of this. We're all going to, if we live long enough, we're all going to face situations where we're going to encounter things that we never thought we'd encounter. And the book of Ecclesiastes reminds us that a lot of that's just life. But when we encounter things that are bigger than us and we need a supernatural act of God, it's a lot better if our first prayers aren't, God, I'm sorry I haven't talked to you in a while. Now, I'm thankful that in our failings and our shortcomings, God remembers that we are but dust. But if you're saved and you know it, you're concerned with His will. Now, you and I should not walk around saying, I believe this person's saved and that person's saved. And, oh, a saved person just doesn't act like that. And That's not for you and I to know the heart. The Bible does remind us that there's going to be a lot of people surprised they're not in heaven. I mean, you can go to heaven from the. I mean, you can go to hell from the church pew. And there's going to be a lot of people like the thief on the cross, who's going to be in heaven because they turned, and they believed on the Son of God. It's not for you and I. Only God knows the heart. But but the application in the Scripture does apply. We should not live in a way that gives anybody the question of, "I wonder if they're saved." Now, you're not the judge, I'm not the judge. Only God knows. But you and I do have a responsibility to live in His will as a saved individual would do. And we should not put ourselves on a high horse or, or on, a, on a podium to look down and say, well, they're not doing everything they're supposed to do, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm questioning their salvation, I'm questioning their salvation. That's not for you and I to do. But at the same token, you and I should live within the will of God so that people know that we're saved, that we can see why they're saved. Well, why are they living that way? Because they're saved, because they're on their way to heaven, because they're a child of God. There should be confidence in prayer. There should be confidence in the will of God. And truth of the matter is, no, there's no justification for you and I looking down our nose at somebody, I just don't think they're saved. Only God knows that. But you and I have a responsibility to give, not give people a reason to ask the question. We should not give people the reason to question whether or not we really got saved. Because we should be seeking the will of God, doing the will of God. And by the way, don't get offended if you say, well, I just, somebody questioned my salvation. Instead of getting offended, ask the question, why did they question your salvation? Why are they questioning your sincerity? 
Because we should be living in the will of God. If you're saved, it's a lot easier to clap our hands and stomp our feet, isn't it? But if we're saved and we know it, we believe God. That's why we got saved to begin with. That's how we got saved to begin with. If we're saved and we know it, we have confidence in prayer. For the child of God, it's as natural as breathing. God, I need your help with this. God, I need you to intercede with this. But we're concerned with his will because we're saved. You and I should be concerned with... Let me just simplify concern with his will. Is my life pleasing God? Is my life bringing honor to God? If it's not bringing honor to him, I think we can make the assumption it's not his will. Because his will is for you and I to bring honor to him. And then number four, look at me at verse number 16. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. Now, I want to bring out and not so much talk about what is or isn't the sin unto death, but I want to make this point with number four. If you're saved and you know it, you have concern for the brethren. I say there is a sin unto death because the Bible says there's a sin unto death. I can't tell you what that is. It may be different for in different situations. But that's not the point I want to bring out here. But what I want to point out is the instruction that we find in verse number 16. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death. So if any man sees his brother, that's a, that's a, that's a saved relationship. Sin a sin that is not unto death. How do we know it's not the sin unto death? They didn't die. So what should we do? He shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. Instead of saying, boy, I, God needs to do something and straighten them out. How much longer is God going to let that go on? We should intercede in our prayer on their behalf. Again, just like it's not for you and I to to get on our spiritual soapbox and look down our nose and say, I wonder if they're saved, I wonder if they're saved, I wonder if they're saved. Right now, if you're not saved, something just tells me the Spirit of God can put you under conviction and, and can speak to you and say, you better listen to what that man's saying. You better listen to the record that is recorded in Scripture. You need to deal with your salvation. That's not up for me or that's not up for you. Likewise, we ought to have more concern about somebody being in the will of God, doing the will of God, then casting that judgment and casting them aside. Here's the thing. We all want to, we, we, it breaks our heart when somebody gets away from God or somebody stumbles and sins. If we live as close as we live with each other as a church, we're going to see it. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna witness it. What should we do? The Bible commands us uh, and, and instructs us what to do with our relationships and those that have a disorderly walk, the Bible covers that clearly. But there's a lot of time we make decisions based on somebody else's fall or somebody else's sin, and we've never prayed one time for them. I say this often. Before you criticize, I say it about me, but it's true of, before you criticize your pastor, have you prayed for him? Same is true of who we go to church with. 
I don't think they should be at the choir. Have you prayed for them? I don't even know why they come to church. I don't see any change. Have you prayed for them? We're good at condemning when we should be praying. Now, this is not, and just in case I need to say it, this is not justifying anything. This is realizing that we are all sinners. We all have flesh. And if God didn't kill them with that sin, that means he's not done with them. Because if he was done with them, there is a sin unto death. He'd say, I'm just bringing you home. But if that's not what happened, we should be praying. The Sunday school lesson this morning is on the prodigal son. There'd be more prodigals come back, I believe, if there were more Christians praying. It's, it's if we are saved and you know it, it goes against the nature of your salvation to not be concerned with the spiritual well-being. And by the way, you can keep your stand and still care for somebody else. You can even have to withdraw fellowship, but don't dare do it without determining to pray for them as well. If you're saved and you know it, you have concern for the brethren. We ought to be praying for those who struggle, those who stumble. But is that, let's be honest, is that always our first reaction? We, we like to give our opinion about a situation. When God says you ought to be praying for that situation. We ought to cast judgment. We, we, we tend to cast judgment on a situation. I find that very interesting that we see that we're more concerned. What is the sin unto death? What is the sin unto death? Almost like I need to know what it is so I can avoid that sin. There's a whole different point to that, but the point I'm making is if you see, so, you see a brother or sister who stumbles and falls and God didn't take them home. God's not done with them. What is something that each and every one of us could do? We can intercede on their behalf. The pastor certainly has a role. Well, I'm not the pastor. You can still intercede on behalf of that individual. If you're saved and you know it, you have concern for the brethren. It does not give a good testimony if you're not concerned about the brethren. It might give one pause to say, why are they treating the brethren that way? I've said this, and this wasn't... I, wasn't, I had not planned to go down this road this morning, but I feel led to. Our emphasis on being a witness and fulfilling the Great Commission, and that's the purpose of the church. But the way we, I wonder what this world must think, this lost world must think many times when they see how God's people treat each other. 
I'm not advocating compromise. I, I don't think I have to say that. But I can stand here and promise you this to the best of my ability. The Lord brings nothing to mind right now that every stand I've ever had to take with an individual who was out of fellowship with God, I have never stopped praying for them. That's not to pat myself on the back. That's just to say, God's not done with them. God's not through with them. And But for the grace of God, if I ever to ever get out of fellowship and I were to get away from God, I would certainly want God's people's prayers before I got God's people's judgment and to be cast aside. And friend, you and I have a responsibility. Well, so-and-so should have been more faithful to Sunday school. Maybe they should have been. But maybe God's people should have prayed a little more, cared a little more, and extended a hand of fellowship a little more. Yes, we ought to stay in the fellowship with God. We ought to do the things that God has commanded us to do. But one sign that you're saved, one way that I get that assurance in my own life, that I'm saved, born again, redeemed, on my way to heaven, that when I see another man stumble, my first reaction is not judgment and to condemn them. It's a heart that goes out and says, I need to pray for them. I need to intercede on their behalf. I need to do something that I can do to help them. Well, you live that way. Because only, I mean, look around this room. Look around, I mean, what a crowd. With this many people, how different everybody is. I hate to break it to you. It may not be everybody else's personality that's the problem. It might be yours. I mean, there's different backgrounds. There's different people born in different countries. There are people like the North. I mean, there, there are different. I mean, there, there, are, there are all kinds of different personalities, and God knows football season is fixing to start, and if we can keep the one accord in this church after that, why do we put up with one another? Because you're my brother. Because you're my sister. Because we have a love for each other that is not natural. All the division we have in our country, Republican, Democrat, races, all different kinds of political spectrum. You know what could solve it all? Christ. Because when man is saved, God changes him from the inside out. He gives him a new heart. Gives him that spirit of God to lead him and guide him. And we're seeking the will of God. We're seeking the things of God. There's something inside our brother and there's something inside us that ought, to, that, that ought to long for us to help our brother and sister in Christ. And if they stumble and fall or they seem to be getting away, we may, there may not be anything from a human perspective that we can do. That's why we must look to God from, an, from a, a supernatural perspective and intercede on their behalf. Well, it's... Many times we think we're doing right, we do, more for the, we do more harm to the cause of Christ. How, if you're saved and you know it. As we conclude this morning, I could, we could conclude with that song, if you're saved and you know it, then your face will surely show it. It's a great little kid's song. But 
from John's perspective. If you're saved and you know it, it's because you believe God. And by the way, after salvation, there's a lot of philosophies in this world that tell you how you ought to live. We should still believe the same God we believe for salvation. If you're saved and you know it, I'm not going to ask you to stomp your feet this morning. But I'm going to point you to verse number 14 and verse verse number 15, and you should have confidence in prayer. You should have confidence in the God that saved you and forgave you and cleansed you and started that heavenly construction crew of building your mansion that you'll abide in for all of eternity. You should have confidence in God that He hears your prayer and answers your prayer. You should be concerned with His will. And when we're not doing His will, that conviction we feel reminds us that we are saved. Reminds us that we belong to Him. Boy, we ought to pray. Let me tell you, we need to get our prayer list back in our, in our churches. We need to get the prayer list back in our homes. Yes, on that prayer list should be your needs. It should be the ill and the sick should be on that prayer list. Your church ought to be on that prayer list. Your country ought to be on that prayer list. The missionaries ought to be on that prayer list. The lost should be on that prayer list. One reason I believe that our churches struggle because we only pray for each other when surgery is scheduled the next day. We've all been guilty of this. I'll illustrate this and then we'll have our invitation. We interact with each other. We're compressed in these situations and Sometimes we leave and we say, what was her problem today? Instead of, I wonder what's going on. Why was her smile missing today? Oh, so-and-so is not here again. Instead of, that new Christian is facing the onslaught of the enemy like they've never seen it before. To keep them from growing. Boy, the pastor, sir, seemed off. That's hypothetical because I know you're not going to say that. No, we would, it's changing our viewpoint. These are my brothers and sisters in Christ. And if something seems off with them, I have a responsibility. I have a privilege. I say, God, I don't know what's going on with them. But would you help them? I don't know what they need, but would you provide for them? They're, they're, the burden seemed a little heavy. Would you give them strength? Instead of going to Facebook and saying, let me find out what's going on with them. Or instead of calling so-and-so and say, what is going on? Why don't we just go to God? And say, God, would you intercede on their behalf? Obviously, you're not done with them. Obviously, uh, you still have a work for them to do. 
Would you meet their needs? The problem in our world today is not the lost world. The problem, in many cases, is because the saved don't live like they know it. The saved don't live as described in 1 John 5. This morning, the invitation is simple. One of the first things I said that God wants you to know, and we find it in this book of the Bible, is, is God wants you to know that you're saved. If you're not, you can know that. Our text points that out. Well, I just, I just haven't put all the, Believe the record of God. And you can get saved. You can get that settled this morning. I would urge you to do so. Invitation is pretty simple. It's a call for the lost to come to Christ. But it's also this. If you're saved, you should know it. God wants you to know it. And one way for you to know it is to live as we described. We ought to be convicted. Our prayer life is not what it should be. We ought to be convicted. If we give cause to anybody to ever, they shouldn't do it. I'm not justifying that. We ought to live in a way where nobody would ever think, well, they're not saved. How could they live like that if, they're not, if they were saved? But on the flip side of that, if there's a situation like that, we should be the first ones to say, God, you're obviously not done with them. Would you touch their heart? Would you give them what they need? If there's something I could do, would you allow me to do it? However, the Spirit of God has spoken to you this morning. I'm going to urge you to make a decision. Make a mental note. Make a change. There ought to be some, even as we go to the invitation, when we leave today, that we jot their names down that we're going to be praying for. You can call them a prodigal, but not all prodigals have left the church. And sometimes we label a prodigal as somebody who's struggling. And they're battling the same flesh that you and I battle. And, if, and, and, and as we, we are going to invitation this time, I promise you. But when somebody leaves the fellowship of God, and sometimes the pastor has to draw some lines, but I promise you, when you, when you're, when you don't see him, the tears are shed. Because I'm convicted that I preach everything I should have preached. Did I pray every time I should have prayed? Did I intercede if, as I had the opportunity to intercede? Friend, that ought to fall on every one of us. If somebody falls by the wayside, we shouldn't just say, well, the devil got another one. It ought to grieve us. It ought to cause us to go to action and say, before that ever happens, God, you're not done with them. Would you intercede on their behalf? Would you, would you touch their heart? Would you, would you give those that are around them? I can't intercede, but would you give mom and dad? Would you give pastor? Would you give that, that brother or sister that they, they're always with? Would you give them some wisdom in how to help them? Oh, friend, before we can reach a lost world, we have got to live like we're saved. John spells it out very clearly. We Stand to our feet this morning. Our heads are bowed.